This is the Author Biz Podcast with Stephen Campbell, session number 15. Welcome to the Author Biz Podcast. I'm Stephen Campbell, and each week I'll bring you interviews, information, and insights focused on the business of being an author. You can find the episode show notes, links to everything mentioned in the show, and lots more information at theauthorbiz.com. Greetings and welcome to The Author Biz, the Monday podcast focusing on delivering actionable information to help you run your business as an author. Thank you very much for listening today. Without you, there would be no show, and both my guests and I appreciate the time that you spend with us. I had the opportunity to meet and watch today's guest, Hank Philippi Ryan, in action at SleuthFest earlier this year. She was one of the keynote speakers for the event, and watching her work the conference was an eye-opening experience for me. Hank travels a lot to support her books. In fact, you may already be familiar with the hashtag she uses on social media while she's touring. It's hashtag Hank on Tour. She uses social media to keep readers, fans, and her friends up to date on her travels. In fact, her social media posts are among the most entertaining of any author in my newsfeed. When I asked her how she did it, she shared some specifics, but said it really comes down to this. Like being a reporter about my own life. And that's exactly what it is. I'm like being, I've never thought about it that way. I'm just being a reporter about what, about my own life. And I'm all about telling a good story. So what would make it, what would make it be a good story? I mean, that's the instruction, I guess. You know, think, what would make that a good story that somebody would want to read? You know, it's about me, me, me. No, not about me, me, me. It's about you. As you'll hear in the introduction of this interview, Hank Philippi Ryan is not only the multi-award-winning author of the Jane Ryland series, she's also an award-winning journalist. The first book in the Ryland series, The Other Woman, was the winner of the Mary Higgins Clark Award and was named to several best-of lists for 2012. The second, The Wrong Girl, won the Agatha for Best Contemporary Novel. Her third book, titled Truth Be Told, is being released October 7th, and it's already collecting rave reviews. In this interview, we'll be talking with Hank about her books, but we'll also discuss why she loves touring to support those books, and how doing long tours in the age of social media presents some challenges that may not have been there a decade ago. Then we'll dive more deeply into social media, and we'll get Hank's thoughts on how to improve your social media presence. One last thing before we get to the interview portion of the show. This is the second and final week for the listener survey I'm running to try and improve the show by better understanding you. The survey can be found at www.theauthorbiz.com survey. It will literally take you just a few minutes to complete, and it'll be a big help to me in planning for the next few dozen episodes. I really hope the podcast is providing you with useful information each week, but I'd like it to become even more valuable going forward. Your input's important to me, and the survey is easy to fill out, and the results are anonymous. If you took the survey last week, you don't need to do it again. Thanks for doing it last week, and I hope the rest of you will fill it out this week, because it really will help. All right, let's get on with the interview. Today I'm joined by Hank Philippi Ryan, the multi-award-winning author of the Jane Ryland novels. The third book in this fabulous series is Truth Be Told, and it's being released on October 7th, which is tomorrow if you're listening on the day this show goes live. 
In addition to winning the Agatha, Anthony, McCavity, and the Mary Higgins Clark Awards, Hank has also won 32 Emmys and a dozen Edward R. Murrow Awards for her work as an investigative journalist. Hank, welcome. It's great to finally have you on the show. Thank you. This is so much fun. Now, I've got to ask, do you have like a trophy case for all of these awards or have you added on to your to your home? What's what's the where do you keep them all? Oh, ha ha. I have a wonderful study where I write. Um, it has a big bay window overlooking a sugar maple tree and all one side of that room is all bookshelves. And it's wonderful because it has all the Emmys and it has all my books that I love and all the books that I go to all the time. And it's sort of my inspiration wall. So on those days when I'm writing and I think, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. How did I ever have, how did this ever happen? Um, I can't ever do this again. I sort of just look at those Emmys and those awards and I think, okay, you, you felt this way every day. And every one of those awards happened anyway. You know, so it's very um, reassuring. You know, all of us as authors have our dark moments when we think, oh, my goodness, I'm a fraud. I cannot do this. I don't know how I wrote a book. And I certainly can't do another one. Um, and it happens. It's the same thing with an investigative reporter. Every story I do, I think... I'll never find another good story. And those awards and those Emmys are sort of the reality check for me that um, success and getting a good story and writing a good book is not an easy path, but, the, but that there are rewards. If you persevere, um, good things can happen. And there are all those good things that I get to look at every day. But it doesn't get any easier, it sounds like. Oh my goodness, no, it doesn't get any easier. Um, I think when I wrote my first book, Primetime, um, I was just, I mean, I was blithely just typing away, thinking, wow, you know, I'm a natural. This is fabulous. I, I got this. And when I was finished, it was 723. <laughs> Perfect size. <laughs> I had to cut 400 pages, if you can imagine. But, you know, as I got more experienced as an author, since we're talking about that. Um, every book has to be better. I want to be a better author and more imaginative and more creative and more compelling and more riveting. And, you know, since I, since I use everything I have in every book, I mean, I don't hold back. There's no I'll just save that good thing for later. I'm like, I'm putting that in, whatever it is, I'm using it. Um, so I go to the well, I drain the well, that's all there is. Um, and then the next time I have to start over and come up with everything new and everything different and everything better, 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 better. And people are, I mean, there's this sort of um, imaginary universe out there of people who are saying, let's see the book. Let's see if it's, let's see if this one is good. You know, we, I, I, I think that the universe wants it to be good. I think that readers are eager to have it be good, that it's sort of when you walk out to talk to a group of people, they want to like you. And I, and I believe that readers want to like books, but even though um, their intention is to like it, if it's not good, they won't. And they'll be very clear about that they don't. So <laughs> I feel very, um, gosh, obsessed, devoted, intent. My intent is to write the best, best book I possibly can every time. And I raise the bar on myself every time. 
And you have a fabulous protagonist uh, for your your Jane Ryland series that you started three three novels ago. Uh, the the third one, truth be told, is is coming out tomorrow, and she's she's just a wonderful character. Uh, can you tell us about Jane, and then let's talk a little bit about Truth Be Told. Jane Ryland is interesting because Jane. People always talk about which came first, the plot or the character. And everybody always says, oh, the character came first, all the character came first. And I will admit to you here, um, in the privacy of this little discussion, that um, I got the idea for the other woman, the plot of the other woman first. Um, That it would be a reporter on the trail of an ex-governor's secret mistress. And that it would be about truth and it would be about perception be about why when someone denies something um, in the news, our first reaction as the public is to say, oh, sure, you're denying it. That must mean it must be true. And I wanted to write a novel, a thriller, about how a reporter deals with that um, and how a reporter the responsibility of a reporter to present the world in the truest possible way that they possibly can. So I've been a reporter for 40 years. I've wired myself with hidden cameras. I've confronted corrupt politicians. I've gone undercover and in disguise. Um, And I am 30 years older than Jane Ryland. So I know what it feels like as a reporter to be someone who is making her way in the field that she loves. And it isn't easy and you make mistakes and things happen that you're not ever that you couldn't possibly predict. You realize that you have the responsibility, and let's say Jane, not you, but Jane is beginning to realize very clearly that as a reporter, people's lives are at stake in her stories. What she talks about and what she uncovers um, becomes the history of our lives. And how does she deal with that? And how does she deal with that responsibility? And how does she juggle the conflicts between her responsibilities as a reporter and her uh, drive to get the headline stories and her, obviously, her devotion to this police officer who she's madly in love with, but she can't, um, their relationship can't exist because it would be a huge conflict of interest for her to um, be in a relationship with uh, somebody who she's covering. So Jane is my way of describing or um, illustrating the, the authentic, genuine difficulties and joys of being a reporter who really cares about her work, a real journalist who, uh, you know, who it isn't, isn't in it just for sensation. And as a matter of fact, sort of rejects sensation but who feels this responsibility to tell a good story and discover a good story. I mean, every every one of those Emmys, every one of those 32 Emmys on my shelf represents a secret that someone didn't want me to tell, right? That's that's the whole point of it. And that's the essence of Jane Ryland's life, too, is that every day she is faced with whether to tell a secret, whether to divulge a secret, what will be the result of who knows the secret and who's going to tell the secret and how it will affect people's lives. So she is at the beginning of her career as a reporter. She's successful. She's smart. She's savvy. She cares about it. She's trying to be good. She's trying to do a good job. She's trying to make her name as a reporter. And she's beginning to see how sometimes 
Um, the world doesn't always work the way you hope it does. And the good guys don't always win. And the bad guys don't always get what's coming to them. Um, and sometimes someone who's just trying to do her job, like Jane, is going to get caught in the middle. And she did in the first book, actually sort of before the first book started. And it's interesting the the arc that she has over the course of, of the three books, going initially from television and then to a newspaper. And then by the third book, she's she's back in this just-in-time media world that we're in today with, um, you know, not not just print stories, but stories that have to be told on the Internet 28 seconds after they happen. Well, it's so fascinating because the, the, what's happened in television news and newspaper news is so incredibly uh, different than it was. When I started in television, when I started in television in 1975, <laughs> um, there was film. We were on film. And if something happened after three o'clock in the afternoon, it was not going to get on the six o'clock news on film because um, you had to process the film and it wouldn't be done. Now, you know, um, on television, it's live, it's live, it's live. You know, you're thrown into a situation that you have no idea, frankly, what's going on. And the camera's on and they say, talk. And you have to talk and you have to figure out as best you can what's going on. Um, so the immediacy of television news has changed how we see the world. And now newspapers are getting into the same act too with video every newspaper mm -hmm. worth its salt now has a video section has an online section and the reporters who know what they're doing can handle both of those so in truth be told jane who um, has worked in television and has worked in newspapers is the perfect person for this new online journalism because she's smart she's fast she's a good writer she's she knows about video um, but on the other hand, again, she's pressed into this situation where fast, 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 tell me now, give the story, put it on. There is no time to really think about it. And as a result, um, she's in a situation where she has to make some fast decisions. And those are very life-changing things. And as someone who we learned in the first book was sort of burned by the way truth can be handled in the media, um, is, is very cognizant of you know, what, what a headline should be and what it shouldn't be in this uh, on-demand world that we're on. And, and she has an editor who's constantly pushing the envelope to try and get the most dramatic headline up on the website right away. And th there's some real conflict there that's kind of fun, fun for the reader. Thank you. Well, surprise, surprise that the conflict between the editors and the reporters, <laughs> such as it always will be, because, you know, the, the, a newspaper or a television station has an interestingly dual need. They have to sell their product and get you to watch it. And they have to be exactly right. So that's a, that's an interesting line. And that's why you see, you know, on your television, on TV news, you'll see, here's a huge fire. And then you realize it's not even in your state, but it's a good video because you, you'll turn and you'll watch that. It used to be that we would make appointments to watch the news. You know, everybody watched the news at six o'clock and everybody watched the news at 11 o'clock because that's the only time you could watch the news. Now you can see the news whenever you want. It's 24 hours a day. If you want to watch all sports, if you want to watch all weather, you can do that. And so local news is in a very precarious situation. They need to get eyes on their product on a 
contraption, a television that is um, often rejected now. So that's a juggle that Jane is involved in. Newspapers, too, I mean, talk about dinosaurs. You know, the minute something's on television, if Jane works for a newspaper and she's only doing the print version, the, the minute something's on, on TV, it's old. You know, she's, she's, what she's typing up to put in the newspaper is old. And that's one of the things that I sort of wanted to explore, too. You know, what means news and what makes news? And does news have to be new and is better is, you know, is better better or is newer better? And is there a way to do both? Does that make any sense? It makes perfect sense. And since we're all consumers of news, that it, it makes it really kind of fun to get the behind the scenes look at things. Well, um, you know, Jane, frankly, can say things about television and newspapers that I, Hank, could never <laughs> say, since she is fictional. Of course. And in this book, it's you go back a little bit to the banking crisis, the the real estate crisis, and tell a really interesting story. So there's a there's this human interest story that starts to be the story, and then it 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 evolves from there. So it's it's a really fun book. I really enjoyed it. But you won so many awards for your first two books. Does that ratchet the pressure up for the third book? I know you always want each book to be better and better. Yes, of course it does. Of course it does. Um, it is, you know, the key is to have the, the key is to have readers just love the books. That is the biggest reward. I mean, I don't mean to sound sappy about it, but when I get, or, but I am kind of sappy about it. When I, when I get emails and calls and when people stop me on the street and say, I love your book, I couldn't put it down. That, you know, that's a big, big, big reward. So, you know, I'm very um, cognizant of trying to live very mindfully and live in the moment and be happy with what I have and not wonder what will come next as a result of a thing in a universe that I have no control over. You know, I, I just like, I'm really happy right now. I'm really excited about Truth Be Told coming out. It's, it's an important story and it's a good story and it's a riveting story and it's um, realistic and I just can't wait for people to read it. And that's really, it's a great lesson for, for all of us, uh, for any, any artist of any type, really. I mean, you put your work out there and you have no control over what happens with it. But to be excited that, that people have the opportunity to see and read your work, that, that really, I guess it needs to be the goal. Well, I worked so hard on Truth Be Told um, from moment one, and it comes from reality. I've done so many stories about um, the world of banking and foreclosure and mortgage fraud. I know that I know that world from the inside out. One of the Emmys that I, I won is for um, stories on mortgage fraud. I mean, I've been in those houses. This is this is not made up. You know, this is this is the real stuff. Um, there's also an element of the story which is about a guy who confesses to a crime that Jake Brogan, the one of the lead characters in the book, a Boston police detective, um, doesn't believe that this guy is um, really guilty of the crime that he's confessing to. And that stemmed from my husband is a criminal defense attorney. And that stemmed from a case that he had where he represented a person who was confessing to murder. And Jonathan just didn't think, my husband Jonathan just didn't think he really did it and had to figure out why um, his client was saying so. Now, my story is not about Jonathan's client. And my story um, is not about 
the mortgage fraud that I uncovered. But when, I mean, the thing that I love is when something that I learn as a reporter or something that I learned as an attorney's wife becomes this gorgeous jewel of the nub of my imagination. And I take that little jewel and think, what could have happened? What might have happened? How can I make this into something that no one's ever read before? So the real life background of Truth Be Told is about stories I've done about mortgage fraud. It's about stories that I've done about neglected empty houses and what might be inside. It's about a guy who um, confesses to a murder that he might not have committed and why. And it's also about, apropos of this very conversation, it's also about a reporter who makes stuff up mm-hmm. and what happens as a result of that. So you take, I mean, so your listeners now know, here's, that's the reality. People always say, and some authors say, oh, I hate when people ask, where did your story come from? Where did you get your ideas? And I'm like, I love that question. I love that question because I think it's so, I think the answer is just so fascinating. No, I want it to be noted that I did not ask that question. (laughs) (laughs) I would have embraced it if you had. (laughs) Let's talk for a minute about conferences and book tours and things like that, because you're really good at this. I I know that uh, the last time you had a new release, I saw on Facebook there was the hashtag Hank on tour. Is Hank going on tour for Truth Be Told? Hank is going on tour for Truth Be Told. She, I mean, I, I, you should see me. I'm going on tour like crazy. It is the joy of my life. Steve, it is so funny. I, I roll my little roller bag down the aisles of the airport, humming magical mystery tour to myself because it's crazy. It's chaotic, but this is what people dream of. This is what you dream of. So going from city to city and getting to talk to readers and getting to talk to writers and getting to share not only um, experiences about the book, but talk about writing and talk about how, you know, the, this world that we're all involved in is, is absolutely, it's absolutely great. Now you understand that for some people, the idea of what you're describing, while it sounds fabulous, would be terrifying. Oh, I'm not saying it's not terrifying. It's terrifying every day. If somebody if somebody said to me, "Would you rather stay home by yourself and run, or go out and see a million people?" I'd be, "I'm at home." I mean, I would. I am not a good chatter. I am not a good small talker. I. You're kidding. Oh no, no, I'm terrified every day. I am. Te- you know, if you see me at a conference, come talk to me, okay? Because I am terrified. I'm the most. I mean. I'm comfortable. I mean, this is, I'm being too honest here. I'm comfortable in the role of a reporter. I can ask anybody any question about anything. I've done my homework. I know what I'm doing. I know what the goal of the story is. But just in the middle of a group of people who I don't know, oh my goodness, you know, I'm, I, I, it's all I can do not to run for my hotel room. Seriously. So where are you going on the tour? Where, where does it start? How long does it last? Let's see. I mean, it's all on my website. Okay. Clearly, all right. It's really named HankPhilippiRyan.com. But I know I'm going, it starts in Boston, of course, at Brookline Booksmith on October 7th, of course. And I go to Ann Arbor, Michigan, to Aunt Agatha's and to Poison Pen and to Copperfields and San Rafael and San Rafael. And uh, I'm going to Seattle. Every, you know, in, I'm going to Florida. To, to, I mean, it's. Oh, it's, where in Florida? Where are you coming in Florida? Going to Murder on the Beach. Okay. I'll be in Delray Beach. I'll be in. Vero Beach, you all come find me. You know, this is really, 
whoever is listening to this, go to my website and find your city on the list and mention the show and come see me. That'll be very special. You know, this is, um, every author will tell you the same thing. When we go to the bookstore or go to a library and there's always the moment, there's always the moment where you think, what if nobody come? What if, what if nobody come? You know, it's like when you give a party and there's that moment where you think, oh my goodness, I have, I have food for 15,000 people and no one's going to be here. And then the people start arriving and it's all good. So every single person who comes to an author event, I will say every single person who comes to one of my events, I am infinitely, eternally grateful. Uh, I love seeing each and every one of you. Now, when, when you get ready for a tour like this, what, what is it, in addition to meeting people and promoting the book, what, what else is it that you hope to accomplish by the tour? Because this is, it has to be exhausting to be gone for as long as you're going on these tours. Well, my husband has some thoughts about that. Um, poor thing, you know. As soon as, as long as the Red Sox are in season or the or the Patriots are playing, oh, you're and, good. You can be as going as long as you like. Yeah, then he has no idea where I am <laughs> at, at that particular time. Or if he has a big case that he's working on, he doesn't know where I am. It doesn't matter. Um, but it is. It's a juggle. But I think that um, even in the days of, you know, we're so social media conscious and we're so promotion conscious, but I do think that the authors that I remember the most are the ones who I meet in person, the ones who I talk to in person, and the ones that I get to chat with in person and ask questions of. You know, I, I really try to go to a lot of my fellow authors' book launches and book events. Um, one reason, because I know... Um, how important it is to support writers. But I go to the events of people I know, and I go to the events of people I don't know. And I have made so many friends and learned about so many fabulous books from that. I mean, that's, that's, um, that's social media, isn't it? That, that, so, you know, the original social media, seeing somebody face to face Mm -hmm. and actually talking to them. So I feel, you know, I like to be social in real life. Not only not only on the internet, but in real life. I think it's I think it's so important. You know, the drawback of being on tour um, in the in the age of social media, and this is um, more than you ever wanted to know, is that you have to bring a lot of clothes because in the past, if I wore this, if I wore the same thing at at Poison Pen and Murder on the Beach and and Agatha's, um, nobody would know. But now if I wear the same thing at those three and it's all going to be on Facebook, everybody thinks, oh, there's Hank in that green jacket again. <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, you know, it's fraught. It is fraught with dilemmas. But talk about a diva problem, isn't it? That's a problem you'd like to well, have. Let me tell a quick um, book signing story. I went to uh, Murder by the Beach, where, which you said you're going to. It's a fabulous little bookstore over in Delray Beach in Florida. I drove over. It's, it's about a hundred mile drive. And I wanted to see a mutual friend of ours, Deb Koontz, oh, who, was, who was doing a signing over there. So my wife and I went over, and uh, Deb was there. There were uh, some other authors whose work I'd read um, that I just felt so badly that I didn't bring copies of, of their books that I could have signed. It was such a great time. And I met someone who did author interviews like this, and she invited me to co-host on a show. And that's the reason that I'm doing this today, all because of a book signing. So you're right. When you mentioned that social media thing, that's that really was a, a very social event. And you get in those events with people who love books 
It's it's like it, it's a room full of your best friends that you just haven't met yet. Exactly. You're not seeing me. I know, but I'm nodding. I'm sitting here nodding as if you can see me. Yes, yes, yes. Agreeing with you. And you never know um, what wonderful thing is around the next corner. You know, my husband and I don't celebrate the anniversary of the day we met. We celebrate the anniversary of the day before we met. And we call that you never know day (laughs) because you never know what wonderful person you're about to meet. So, I mean, one of the things that I always tell people about conferences, you were asking about conferences. One of the things I always tell people about conferences is that something wonderful happens at every conference. You, you just might not know what it is until later. But every single time I go somewhere, you know, there's some dominoes that fall and some effect that happens. And just as what happened to you with um, at Murder on the Beach, um, there's a there's a cause and effect thing. And you can't the universe doesn't reward you unless you put yourself in it. Yes, that is so true. And now let's let's talk about conferences for a little bit, because you go to a lot of conferences you do for someone who is as busy as you are and you have to be incredibly busy. You are also incredibly giving. Um, you work with uh, Mystery Writers of America. You are a past president of Sisters in Crime. Um, you do a lot of blogging and you go to all these conferences and you do all these signings. First off, I think it's astonishing that you're able to pull all that off and and always appear so cool, calm and collected and have a new dress that no one's ever seen before. (laughs) Yeah. But next time you see me, you'll have to mention that Um, (laughs) conferences, though. I love I love to teach. I love to hear other people on panels. You know, I love uh, the teaching is my favorite part. I have several classes, many classes that I, lo- I love to give, and I love to do the keynote speaking. And, and, you know, one of the things that's so amazing about the universe is that after having been a reporter for so long and been on the air for so long, um, even though I'm still nervous about public speaking, as you know, I, everybody's a little nervous about every performance, um, I embrace that. You know, I love seeing, I mean, it's also fun to be giving a, a performance essentially and have the actual look, being, being able to see actual people listening to me, Yes, yeah. you know, because on television, I'm just looking at that red light. But, you know, when I make speeches or, or give classes at conferences, I actually see people responding and that, you know, when I see people nod and agree um, and smile, you know, that's the best fuel there could ever be. When I was at SleuthFest, um, and you were there, you were one of the keynote speakers at SleuthFest, there were, and this is this is probably true of all conferences, where there's a table and people can put um, bookmarks and postcards for their books and things like that. And I noticed that when you were sitting on a panel, that you would get there early and you would put a bookmark on every chair. So you were actively working the conference, marketing your books while you're speaking on panels and doing all of these other things. And in spite of the fact that you were one of the biggest stars there, I found that inspirational. Oh, thank you. I'm glad you approve. You know, we, you never know whether bookmarks help or postcards help or business cards help or, you you know, who knows? 
Um, but it's one of those things that I like to have. I love the idea that my little truth be told bookmark is going to be tucked in someone's book and it will remind them, oh yeah, that's that great book I heard about that got starred reviews from book list and starred reviews from library journal. Did you see how I tucked that in there? Yes, you did. (laughs) Truth be told is getting fabulous reviews. I mean, it's quite astonishing. So if, if I can remind people of that, happy to. As, as someone, I, I grew up in the technology business, and there are a lot of trade shows involved in the technology business. So you're constantly giving out things and hoping that people will take them. And it's just a part of it's it's a part of my business history to do things like that. And it sort of surprises me that you were the only one that was doing it at Sleuthfest. And it, it it's almost as though it's people just want to put the stuff on the table and then go away and you know, hope that maybe someone goes and picks it up as opposed to putting it down and taking a proactive step. Hey, I'm here. Here's my book. It's great. Look at these great starred reviews. Buy a copy and stick it inside the book to mark your page. Well, let's not tell anybody then. (laughs) (laughs) You and I can do it and that's all. We'll just, we'll just corner the market. Now you mentioned when, when you talked about the starred reviews, you, you cleverly pointed out the way that you had slipped that in there. And it's one of the things that I find so instructive about your social media presence. You're, you're really good on social media. I, I think everyone agrees on that. I, in fact, I was talking to um, Bob, and, Bob and Pat Gusson, who uh-huh, uh, sure. you probably know them. Of course, they said they tell their authors when it comes to social medium, uh, media to, to look and follow Hank and do what she does. Oh, that's so funny. Well, they have this, you know, Bob and Pat have Ocean View. Yes, Ocean View uh, Publishing. Mm-hmm. They're so with some fantastic books and they're quite visionary and, and absolutely terrific. So I'm very um, gratified that they would um, point their incredibly talented authors in my direction. You know, you know what the, the I'm trying to decide how to put this, but what I do on social media, on Facebook and on Twitter is... I think the world is really interesting. And you have to think so if you're a reporter. I mean, to me, everything is a story and everything is interesting and everything is intriguing and everything is funny. And so I just put that on Facebook and Twitter. Things I see, things I think, um, things we all share, things that are funny, things that are helpful. It's just random. It's just random. And there'll be days that go by that I put up one thing and then some days something will be really, really funny and I'll put up a couple things. Um, it's just fun for me. It's just a good way of saying, hi, listen to this. Is this not the funniest thing ever? And then, you know, that the ducks arrived in our backyard or that we have a stupid possum that's stalking our barbecue or, you know, that the dahlias are out or, you know, it's just nice. I mean, I, I know what Janet Rudolph's roses look like, and I know about Barb Goffman's fox. And, you know, I meet people at conferences, and I think, oh, you know, I say, oh, how's your mom? You know, or how was that ski trip? And it's all things that we just share. And so it's just like being someone's neighbor is sort of how I look at social media. Just what you would say to a pal. Um, And then you can just wait for a response or um, see what's happening in their lives. And how how did you develop this knack for being so clever with uh, with your posts? Be- because you're not only clever, but in a lot of instances, you're clever, you tell a funny story, 
And oh, by the way, I'm on my way to St. Louis. Hank on tour. See you at the such and such bookstore. You know, this is going to be a funny answer, but I don't figure it out. It's not a figure it out thing. It's just, you know, if I'm at the airport and I'm on my way to San Diego and the billboard at the, at the gate shows a big thunderstorm thing, you know, that's interesting because we've all had the moment of thinking, oh my gosh, am I ever going to get there? There's a big thunderstorm cloud over exactly where I'm going. So that's what I would share. I wouldn't say I'm going to San Diego by my book. I would say rut row, you know, thunderstorms over San Diego. Hold on. Um, I'll, I'll be there tomorrow. Yes. You, you, I've never seen you say I'm doing this by my book. It, never, ever. And because how do you I, respond when people do that? You think you just clicked away from it. It's right. Um, and I think I, that's what makes your, your social media presence so instructive because you're funny, you're clever you're telling this great story about being on tour and all the funny things that happened to you. But, oh, by the way, we want to see you when you get to our city. Yeah, because you know what? That's true. That is the real world. That is what actually is happening. That is what I'm actually doing. That's, um, you know, that's like being a reporter about my own life. And that's exactly what it is. I'm like being, I've never thought about it that way. I'm just being a reporter about what, about my own life and what would make and I'm all about telling a good story. So what would make it what would make it be a good story? I mean, that's the instruction, I guess. You know, think what would make that a good story that somebody would want to read? You know, it's about me, me, me? No, not about me, me, me. It's about you. Yes, exactly. Now, do you find one social media platform to be more appropriate for you than another? Um, I'm very comfortable with Facebook. Um, I love Facebook and I, I'm, I mean, I honestly, if I could tell you, I mean, I just have to set limits somehow. I just need to not be on it so much. Um, I love Facebook. I love Twitter. I think Twitter is great. I, um, my Twitter thing is more sort of go going out. It's more broadcasting than listening, I think. Um, and that's about the extent of it. Goodreads I go to from time to time and I think, oh, this is, this is cool. And then I think, I don't know about it. So I'm going to take a class in Goodreads. Really? So, yeah, because I just don't understand it. I mean, uh, I suppose I could take the time and... Well, I don't either. And I, I'm curious, <laughs> where where do I take this class? I'll, I'll talk to you after the end. <laughs> okay. Um, so, but that's about the extent of it, I think. Pinterest, I think, is fun, but... And I can get lost in it, but then I think, wow, what did I just do? I have no idea. I just lost 10 minutes of my life. Um, so people choose their own. I mean, I think everybody that you talk to about social media would say you choose where you're comfortable. It's not difficult to figure out where it is that you're comfortable. And then just don't worry about the other stuff. You, you know, our minds are scattered and crazy enough without saying, oh my goodness, I have to do this. Oh my goodness, I have to do that. Oh my goodness, I have to do that. You know, we can't keep that many plates spinning. So just pick a plate or maybe two and spin those. Um, and forget about the rest, and you'll feel much more relaxed. And one last thing on social media, and then I, I'll wrap it up with a couple questions on blogging. But one thing that I notice about you, uh, your social media presence, is that you're constantly talking about other people's books and how much you enjoy them and, and what other people are doing. And I, I just think that is so cool that you do that. 
thank you. But again, true. It's, it's true. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure you're so, not taking someone's book that you hated and saying it's great. Yeah. So one of the things that I really love about this life is that I get to be in a community of people who care about the same things that I do and love the same things that I do and read the same things that I do. And so that's what you do when you have friends is that, you know, somebody else's success is just as enjoyable to me as mine. You know, we all take turns in this world and something good happens to someone else. That's wonderful. You know, be happy for that person. You know, this is a world where you, where you be generous and you be giving and you be kind and you be enthusiastic and you help the other person. We're all in this together. And I, and that's really important to me. We are. And there's no way that we could write enough books to satisfy our own readers. <laughs> so if it, if it weren't for everyone else, uh, people would be beating on your door constantly asking for the, the next book in the series. Which I love them to do. Don't get me wrong about that. Um, but there are lots of wonderful books. And Yes, uh, there are. Uh, Sisters in Crime did a big survey to figure out um, how, we, how we all choose what we read. And amazingly, shockingly, astonishingly, I'm being sarcastic. You can't tell that all over the, over the air. But um, it was that it was word of mouth. You know, it's I tell you, listen, Steve, listen to this great book I just read. Um, and it, that I tell you that I put a review that I put it on Facebook and somebody says, oh, Hank and I kind of like the same books. If she liked that, I would like that. And then you pass the word along. So it's all about share, share, share. Um, it makes such a huge difference. Just that one click or that one mention to me or to any author. You know, if you love a book, just tell someone. I was on the board of the Lyric Stage Company of Boston for years, and our producing artistic director had a great line that he would say um, before every show. He would say to the audience, um, it's, a, it's a professional theater company in Boston. He, he would say to the audience, if you like what you see tonight, tell all your friends. If you didn't like it, don't say anything. <laughs> And, you know, I've stolen that. You know, I just say that now. Mm. You know, if you like my books, please tell all your friends. If you don't like them, just don't say anything. <laughs> please. <laughs> exactly. Okay, now blogging. I, I know that you blog at Jungle Red Writers, and I thought that was the only place. But I keep stumbling across you writing articles or introducing people at other sites. How many how many places do you blog at? Well, well, Jungle, my my. Two primary places are, are Jungle Red, jungleredwriters.com, which is a fantastic blog, a group blog. It has Reese Bowen, Deborah Crombie, Hallie Efren, Susan McNeil, um, Roberta Islib, Lucy, who's writing as Lucy Burdett these days, and okay. Julia Spencer Fleming. I mean, what a lineup. Yeah, a, a fabulous lineup. Fabulous lineup. And I, and we're, you know, we have something new every day and it's fabulous and it gets, it has a huge readership and we're really proud of it. We really um, work hard on Jungle Red. And, and we, you guys get together at conferences and do these little bits and that's, that's really cool. Oh my goodness. I will tell you, breaking news. We just figured out what we're going to do for VoucherCon. <laughs> it is going to be hilarious. So when you see the, the listing for the Jungle Red uh, panel at VoucherCon, please come. It'll, it's going to be great. Or it could be a disaster. I mean, it could be a disaster. And but you've got to be there to see. 
Yeah, but you've got to be there to see. I also blog at Femme Fatale, which is another unbelievably wonderful blog. It has um, Charlene Harris and Elaine Veets and Chris Neary and Mary Songs and Dana Cameron and Donna Andrews. And I've just forgotten someone and she's going to call and kill me for leaving. And Dean James and Katrina McPherson. Okay. Um, wonderful. I mean, another stellar, stellar, stellar lineup. I also do, um, from time to time, blog for Sisters in Crime New England on Thursdays. I have a, a, a segment called Not Quite 20 Questions, where I interview people um, in a kind of offbeat kind of way. So check out that as well. Well, we've been talking with Hank Philippi Ryan. Her new book, Truth Be Told, is being released tomorrow. If, okay. if you're listening to this on Monday... Uh, the day the podcast comes out, if you listen later, then you should be able to just order it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or go to the store and pick up a copy. You'll love it. It's um, I mean, I'm so pleased with it. It's gotten starred reviews from Booklist, starred review from Library Journal. It's a Library Journal editor's pick. It's an RT Book Review's top pick. They said it was a gem. Publishers Weekly loved it. Even Kirkus loved it. I mean, it's I'm just kind of floating about it. So... Um, I'm really eager to see what happens. It's a fabulous series, and I really enjoyed the book myself. I would give it a starred review if I had such a thing. You do. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you have a star. <laughs> well, Hank, I, want... I can't thank you enough for your time and your, your knowledge today. Thank you so much. Oh, my complete pleasure, uh, pleasure, and I will see you soon. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. If you'd like to find out more about the podcast, including past episodes, you can visit the website at www.theauthorbiz.com. You can also subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. If you have comments or suggestions for the show, you can leave them at the site or you can ping me on Twitter. I'm at Steve Campbell FL. Please join us again next week for another informative episode.